what do you have to offer and what do you care about combined with what nonprofits are doing that work and what do the nonprofits need in that moment so that you're fulfilling a true need with your skills. Like if you are looking for a way to get involved in the Memphis area, just let let us be your easy button. Like we can right. help you with that. Welcome to the Journey to Impact podcast, where we show you how to turn your unique passion into a strategy to change the world. What if you truly want to make a difference in the world, but you just aren't sure where to start? In this episode, Ed talks with Dr. Sarah Pechnik. She's the founder and CEO of Volunteer Odyssey, which helps volunteers get plugged into and explore various service opportunities in the Memphis area. You'll get to hear about the work she's doing, as well as why she believes volunteering should be a little bit selfish. It's time to get off the bench. Let's do this. Here's your host, Ed Gillentine. Welcome to the Journey to Impact podcast. I'm your host, Ed Gillentine, and I'm here with Dr. Sarah Pechnik. She's the founder and the executive director of Volunteer Odyssey. Sarah, welcome. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Briefly, I'm going to give you just a little bit of background on Sarah before we dive in. She's got a bunch of degrees. And as I mentioned, uh, she's the founder and the executive director of Volunteer Odyssey. Uh, she's got her undergraduate in industrial and organizational psychology from the University of Memphis. Also got an MBA from the University of Memphis, close to my heart, having an MBA and loving business. And she got her PhD also in industrial and organizational psychology. So that's pretty cool. That's a lot of degrees. She's got a ton of other really, really just as amazing academic research and teaching uh, uh, opportunities on her resume we just won't have time to get into. And I didn't want to take 30 minutes and read her her uh, bio fully because we want to hear her talk. I mean, it's stuff like the uh, U.S. Navy doing research, um, <laughs> like uh, yep. top 40 under 40. Um, I mean, some really cool stuff that you've done. So hats off to that. I'm not minimizing it, but we want to hear all the wisdom that's come from all this great education, uh, both practical and academics. So. Well, and to have you read off my accolades is humbling, so <laughs> <laughs> thank funny. you. Um, founded Volunteer Odyssey in 2013. Yes. Right? So, um, yeah, why don't we just jump right in. Tell sure. us a little bit of sort of the cliff note story of Sarah and how you got to where you are. Well, I was born on a warm, sunny day. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, my, you know, my parents have been a huge influence on that. Um, we volunteered from the time I was really young, and it was something that there was just part of what we did, just like anything else. And as I started to get older and we were collecting food for our local food pantry, I started to think, well, why are we doing this? Why don't people just go to the grocery store and buy food? That's what we do. And my parents explained that there are a lot of people who work really hard, but they may still go hungry and need a little extra help. And if we are in a position to help, then that's our responsibility. And then they said one of the best ways to be in that position is to go get a good education. And so I took that, I think, as far as you can interpret it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did well. Got a there. lot of degrees. Um, and they've been just very supportive of my work, but also encouraging of people just giving back and making a difference. It's interesting uh, talking about, you know, your parents teaching you that not everybody can go to the grocery store. Right. Yeah. And what I hear a lot in impact is, you know, people need to just suck it up, pull themselves up by their bootstraps. And I've mm -hmm. started telling people that works if you have boots. If you don't have boots, it's really hard to pull yourself up by the That bootstraps. is an excellent way of thinking about that metaphor. You kind of alluded to a question I like to ask. So most people we've interviewed, um, their childhood, their younger years, 
form a great deal mm-hmm. of where they are now and how they approach life. Mm-hmm. Clearly, your parents had a huge influence on you. Talk a little bit more about, not just your parents, although I would love to hear that, but talk a little bit more about how your childhood observations and experience um, formed what you're doing now. Yeah, that's a that's a great and really thoughtful question. Um, you know, my parents, I would say, also probably got that from their parents. Um, everyone, you know, emigrated to St. Louis a long time ago and were, you know, farmers and carpenters and printers and things like that. And it was very much the, you know, the village mentality, right? Everybody helped everybody. And if you could, you did and you should. And I just remember my grandparents doing things to help neighbors and people in the community. And my parents definitely inherited that. And it just was never a question. It wasn't, all right, it's time to go volunteer. You know, it was just a part of what we did and how we lived. And to your point, those early years are very formative. And a lot of people ask, well, how old should my kids be to start volunteering? And my answer to that is just, just volunteer and take them with you. And then the moment they're ready to receive that lesson, they're already doing it. Like kids have naturally servant hearts, you know? And so I think we should take advantage of that. That's interesting, too. It's like their norm, right? Yes, exactly. So they probably not only expect it, but they want it. And yes. That's fascinating. Yeah. We may come back to that with children because I think I think it's really important for grandparents and parents to pass down mm-hmm. these values to their children. Yes, And absolutely. a lot of it is uh, I'm, uh, I'm a struggling parent, <laughs> and a lot of I've noticed. <laughs> you listen to this. <laughs> yes, right. Um, a lot of what I notice is that children there is certainly more caught than taught yes but but you still have to teach Mm -hmm. right and I think this is a great way to combine the Mm -hmm. two Mm -hmm. and so um, we may come back to that and talk a little bit because I'm 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 pretty passionate about it can you talk about the turkey person (laughs) I did uh, go listen to your TED talk and I would I would encourage everyone to go listen to it it's really good it's about 10 minutes um she uh, Sarah communicates a ton in that 10 minutes um, but you talk about the turkey person. Yeah, so I, I you know, don't know that I can take credit for that. That's a story I heard from Coach Bill Courtney, who um, was in the documentary Undefeated. And I was um, telling Ed right before we started that when I was telling that story during my TED Talk, I realized right before I went on stage that Coach Courtney was in the audience. <laughs> you want to talk about some stage fright. But basically, he was having a hard time connecting with the students at the high school where he was teaching football, and essentially it was they didn't totally trust him. They weren't sure he was really sticking around or that he was doing it for the right reasons. And one of the players said, Coach, they're trying to figure out if you're a turkey person. You know, he says, what, what is a turkey person? And the student said, it's those people who roll into town and drop off turkeys and, you know, want to feel good and want all the accolades, and then they just want to go home said, you know, we need a lot more than turkeys, right? And so while turkeys are helpful, um, it's the wraparound things that you do and the reasons that you do it and making those deep and meaningful connections. That's the ultimate purpose of that journey. I love that story for a lot of reasons. And and I want you to talk about this idea of being selfish as a volunteer, Mm -hmm. but also selfless. Mm -hmm. But just got back from Ethiopia and you see that that cynicism over there as well. Sure. And I think it's important for us to realize as we talk about bootstrapping mm-hmm. to people that don't have boots, um, yeah. how can you bootstrap without your boots? Right. Uh, I think it's important to realize that they've seen 
hundreds yeah. of Suburbans roll up into their neighborhood with right. their turkeys or their Christmas mm-hmm. packages or whatever, mm-hmm. and they never see them again. That yep. happens in Ethiopia. Millions and billions of dollars sent down there. I can't tell you. We've I've been going down there for 15-ish plus years, so mm-hmm. I feel like I have some perspective. You can see the change. Yeah. There's not a lot of people that go down there and keep coming back that, that are in it for the long haul. And this idea of feeling good about yourself. Well, yeah, it does mm-hmm. um, feel great to go set up a well in rural Ethiopia yeah. to provide clean water. Mm-hmm. But if you do it with German engineering and Swiss parts and American engineers <laughs> and you don't teach anybody how to fix it and they can't yeah. afford the parts as soon as it breaks, that's why at least uh, several years ago, the average water well in Africa lasted two years. Mm. And so the Ethiopians, many times, you can almost feel them saying among themselves, here they come again. Here's that yeah. suburban, if you right. will, with another turkey. Uh-huh. And it's, yeah, it's great for a minute, but mm-hmm. it's not really going to help. Right. The other problem with that is, you know, you, you get them used to the pure water mm-hmm. for a little bit of time, and then they got to go back to dirty water. What's that doing with their bodies, mm-hmm. right? And it just has so many um, sort of ancillary yeah. challenges. So, and I think, you know, to your point, like, it, people do need turkeys, right? And people do need water. Like, if that is the way, um, you know, that if you're a listener and you're thinking, well, I thought I was doing a good thing. Like, that is helpful, you know? And so we want you to know that, like, right. that, that makes a difference and that's important. If that's the way you get started – then, then that is great. And as you're doing that, asking yourself, why am I doing this? Why am I doing it this way? So as an example, one of the busiest days of the year where we get so many questions is, how can I volunteer on Thanksgiving Day? And there are fewer places to volunteer and more people who want to. So then people think, oh, we don't need volunteers. Well, we do. We need them the day before Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving, and a month after Thanksgiving. And we need volunteers all the time. And so if your you know, entry point is giving turkeys, Great, give those turkeys, but how can we get you more engaged and more involved all year round when we need help still? That's well said. All right, talk about this balance. And I, I really love the fact that you have a psychology background. Um, that's fascinating to <laughs> Are me. Are you sure I some don't. people want to run out of right, the room? <laughs> right. um, it's such an important part of it, right? Because yeah. it's easy for a spreadsheet guy like me to say, well, um, we need water. We need turkeys. Turkeys cost 10 bucks a hit. Mm-hmm. It means this much money. It's going to take this much time to deliver. Right. Slam, bam, thank you, ma'am. I'm off to the races, yes. right? <laughs> the, but the reality is we're talking to humans. We're not talking to spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. Um, and the psychology, especially in multi-generational poverty, mm-hmm. is um, like fascinating to me because I have... I've done so much wrong. That's where I've I've mm. made so many mistakes. That's where I've learned a lot. So I'm I'm glad you're I'm glad you have that that background. So talk about mm-hmm. being selfish as a yes. volunteer and selfless. Yeah, the paradox, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the things I say that surprises people a lot is that I think volunteering should be at least a little bit selfish. And here's what I mean by that. I mean that it should be something that you find meaning or enjoyment in. Because if you are really only doing it to muddle through and check the box, that's not doing anybody any good, including you. And what we need in addition to these one-time and drop-in volunteers, which is valuable, is people who will keep coming back. And you're not going to come back if it's something that you dread and you see as just another task on your list. So we at Volunteer Odyssey, we informally rate volunteer experiences on a scale from how soon can I get out of here? (laughs) 
<laughs> to how soon can I come back? I love that. And how do we help you find that how soon can I come back experience? And that's what I mean by it being selfish. It's just something that you find meaning in so that you will continue to return. So we're going to see I'm segueing on the segue on the segue. Yeah, I like um, the segues. Yes, we're going to chase this down. I want to come back to making mistakes in volunteering and philanthropy and mm -hmm. impact because they are really important. Um, but and what I you want... guys can't see is Ed is making copious notes across from me, and I keep wondering, what, now what, what is, is he, he writing doing? down? Yes, <laughs> and then I can't read them. So I love the fact that this this idea of trying to plug people in where they mm -hmm. they fit. And so in the book Journey to Impact, we we talk about basically a Venn diagram, right? Yes. It's uh, your skills, yep. your experiences, and your passions, mm -hmm. which is very similar to what you guys are doing. Because if you can find that sweet spot, the Absolutely. impact sweet spot, you are going to get keep coming back. Yeah. So talk about how you guys how you guys do that mm -hmm. a little bit more deeply. Yeah, so we started with a really nerdy psychologist. Those are the best. <laughs> the best. Yeah, so it's all about, you know, what makes you, you. And one of the, a lot of people haven't heard of industrial organizational psychology, but one of the big focus areas is how do you find the right people for the right job? How do you understand what the job needs and then what the candidate has. So what are your, what is your knowledge? What are your skills? What are your abilities? What are these other X factors that make you, you, and make you this amazing talent? And we take that same approach. And so we take those principles and apply them to volunteering. So who are you as a person, right? What are your, what are your values? What are the things that get you fired up? You know, is it um, hunger? Is it blight? Is it education? You know, what are those skills and causes or what are those causes that are meaningful? And then what skills do you have that we can apply to those causes? So to your point, it is this incredible intersection of what do you have to offer and what do you care about combined with what nonprofits are doing that work and what do the nonprofits need in that moment so that you're fulfilling a true need with your skills? I love how you put that. And I, I love asking people what fires you up. Yeah. Right? So I was with my colleague in Ethiopia. And, I mean, you see a lot of injustice, mm -hmm. right, all around. And we were getting back on the plane, and we'd had a couple experiences. And he said, Ed, that infuriates me, this lack of justice, a system that doesn't allow mm -hmm. you to even help them. Yeah. Right? And, and that's here in the U.S., right? Yeah, <clears throat> It's absolutely. in Europe. It's in developed countries just like it is in uh, non-developed countries and frontier markets. Sorry, I'm using uh, investment uh, language. I like it. There's always more so to learn. So the idea of, of getting people fired up. But then I can get fired up, <laughs> but I need, to, I need to go work yeah. in an area that I have a skill. Right. How do we do. channel and direct right. that passion into a way that you can be helpful and useful. Yes. Yeah. And I think what you're doing with the psych side of it can help people be years ahead of like what I did. <laughs> so when I went to Ethiopia, I wanted to help street kids, mm -hmm. but I realized very quickly that they're so traumatized, typically by males that I couldn't go. Like I could go to, uh, to Memphis mm -hmm. and do a basketball camp with young kids. They could sit right. in my lap. I could do puzzles. I could give them hugs, high fives. Mm -hmm. Can't do that with these kids in yeah. Ethiopia. And I was pretty disillusioned. Mm -hmm. and, but then this organization asked me to come uh, get some land for, they had been promised land by the government, mm. but it was stuck in the bureaucracy. And they oh. said, would you put your suit on and go talk to them? There you and, go. And, and oddly yeah. enough, they got the land, right? That magic intersection of yeah. what you care about, what you know, and what you're good at. Right. Yes. 
I'm sure it was the bow tie because I know I didn't say anything <laughs> horribly intelligent. But that's when it clicked to me. Mm-hmm. You know what? I can help these kids. Yeah. And so I'm fired up about it. I'm passionate about it. And, you know, I think and the interesting thing about your story is that you had the wherewithal to listen to the people in the community and on the ground who said, okay, you know what we do need? We need this. And I think that's the value of working with trusted nonprofits who are in the communities and working with the population that needs help and trusting them to tell you, here are our needs, and then we rise to meet those needs, as opposed to us going into communities and dictating how we want to help. And so finding those key nonprofits is so important because they're the ones that we should trust to tell us what help is needed. I, I can't like emphasize that enough or agree with what you're saying, because at least as important as what fires you up asking a, a, a potential donor or volunteer, what an important question to ask the beneficiary mm-hmm. is what do you need? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, do you really need a turkey? Yeah. You know? <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm glad you brought that up. And I think maybe that segues back to mistakes. Mm-hmm. Nobody's perfect. Right. We've got cultural challenge, psycho- psychological, uh, I shouldn't say psychological challenge, but you've got psychology in it. Yeah. You've got trauma. I mean, all these things, heck, sometimes, okay, let's be real. Many times I can't even communicate well with my own wife, right? And we <laughs> love each other and like each other, much less with people I don't know, right? right. So <clears throat> when you make a mistake like the turkey person, mm-hmm. turkeys are good. Are they the best thing? So let's ask a question. But also, <clears throat> how, how do you deal with it when somebody says, you know what, Ed? You're not going to be able to help these kids. Sorry. I know Mm -hmm. you're fired up about it. What am I going to do with that? Mm -hmm. What's your experience helping people um, hopefully realize way sooner than me with less mistakes, go to your sweet spot. Mm -hmm. But but how do you help people that have this dream? This is how I'm going to help. And yet that's probably not the best way. That's a really good question. So I've sort of two answers to that. So the first is, that's what Voluntary Odyssey is here for. So how can we help you kind of leapfrog that learning curve yes. a little bit? So Voluntary Odyssey, we specialize in working with trusted and approved nonprofits and then understanding the volunteer and finding that intersection. So if volunteers start with us, we can say, here are the needs. Now I want to get to know you and your skill set, and we can help with that those meaningful matches. Um, and then for somebody who's doing it on their own or who maybe is not based in Memphis, I think it is, you know, it's it's some introspection, right? And taking a step back and saying, why do I want to work on this? And what are my motivations? And how can I ask questions to understand what those needs are? And something my dad says is people don't, I can't remember exactly how he phrases it, but people don't care what you want until they feel like you want to understand them. Mm -hmm. He says it much better. (laughs) He's going to listen to this to go, Sarah, haven't you heard me say it enough times? (laughs) The whole people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care kind of idea. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I helped you out there, Mr. Petch. Yeah. I appreciate that. (laughs) It's funny. Whenever somebody says, are you related to, I'm like, yes, yes, I am. Anybody with that last name. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So how can you seek to understand what the true needs are and then look for ways to apply your skills. Yeah, this is a key factor. So 
This is an interesting question that I maybe nobody else in the world is curious, but since you have I love these kinds of questions. Since you have an understanding of psychology that very few people do, I thought, I'm gonna ask her this. (laughs) I think I didn't know there's gonna be a pop quiz. Right, (laughs) right. I run into a lot of people that want to have impact and they start volunteering Mm -hmm. and they start serving and they start giving. Yeah. And then they get disillusioned, not in a bad way, like whatever, I don't need, not in a selfish way, right? Out of balance, selfishness. But because, for example, the first couple of times I went to Ethiopia, there's five, six million kids on the street. Mm -hmm. We're helping 10 at a time. What's Mm -hmm. the point? Mm -hmm. Um, We've had uh, racial injustice, racial problems, education and poverty in Memphis since the yellow fever flood plague, I believe, in the 1890s, right, that we've acknowledged we've got these problems. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just want to just give up. Mm-hmm. So how do, you, how do you help someone that's just saying, am I really making a difference? Mm-hmm. Is this really all worth it? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in their defense, I mean, you see a lot of, uh, in the news, you don't hear the good stuff as much, but you hear nonprofit leaders taking off with money or abusing people under their care. Mm-hmm. Can you just talk about that with people that are struggling with, I really want to help, but you know what? I am sick and tired of feeling like what I do doesn't make a difference. So I have a couple thoughts on that. So to, to your, your last point about, you know, hearing about nonprofits who are misusing funds and things like that, the reason it's on the news is because it is rare. Right. And so most people now do your research, right? That don't blindly trust. But, you know, a lot of nonprofits are doing excellent work. And that's why it helps to work with an organization like Volunteer Odyssey, because we, you know, vet and work with trusted partners. To the second part of that, you know, I understand why it gets discouraging. I I was picking up um, trash, cleaning the green line with Clean Memphis, and I went to pick up a um, a chip bag, and it disintegrated into a thousand pieces. And I just looked at that and thought, why am I doing this? <laughs> right. <laughs> and you know. I think one of the things that we have to think about that we have to remember is I think we can all recall a time in our lives when somebody did something for us that was incredibly kind or thoughtful or helpful and what a difference that made to us as an individual person. And so if you help one person one time, that might be the kindest thing anyone has done for that person that day, that week, that year, their entire lives, right? And so while, you know, I think it can be overwhelming sometimes to think about moving the needle and there is, you know, room and need and time for that, knowing that you are doing something to help one person in one moment is still valuable and we've all experienced that, right? And so I think that's an important piece to remember. It's interesting. I'll use the term faith broadly, not necessarily in the South. You know, typically people think of that as religion, and I think that's reasonable. But even broadly, the idea of faith that what you're doing is going to have make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think of uh, uh, in the scriptures, it talks about one guy plants and one person waters, and somebody else gets the increase. The idea on a farm is that you're doing all these things, different people, mm-hmm. and I think that correlates with, I don't know if I'll even be around tomorrow if I'll go help Mm -hmm. an organization or a person, even if I wanted to, Mm -hmm. right? But that little thing that I did 
made a big difference Absolutely. to that one person. And I'll likely never know. Mm-hmm. I'll likely never know. But that doesn't mean I don't do it. Yeah. That's where the faith has to come in that it is helping. Mm-hmm. And and I'm glad you reminded me even of that so, um, so recently removed from Ethiopia where even I, um, having been there a while and sort of seen it, and frankly, maybe to some degree a little bit jaded, mm-hmm. uh, was getting uh, a little bit discouraged about what's the point. Mm-hmm. Um, and the point is we're doing good. Mm-hmm. And sort of that's the calling. Yeah, and I'll, you know, I'll add to that. Like I think that some of feeling like you're making a difference just is reframing, right? Understanding mm-hmm. that yes. this this thing, even though it's small, is making this small impact and all those small impacts add up. I, I think the other half of that is that if you are starting to feel very discouraged and very frustrated, you know, despite reframing, like maybe it's time to work it on it a different way or switch to another cause or different organization. Like one of the reasons we work so hard to make sure volunteer experiences are quality and meaningful is because if somebody has a bad volunteer experience, they don't think, oh, I didn't like this experience. They think, oh, volunteering sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. And so how do we get you into a place that you like rather than attributing that that dismay to the entire realm of trying to help people. Right. How do we retask you? I love that. Talk a little bit more about Volunteer Odyssey in, in that regard and some of the successes you've had and some of the mistakes that you've made that you've learned from because I think this is accurate, although it's only observation. Um, getting volunteer is Volunteering is almost always the first step. Mm-hmm. And not everybody can be a full-time, yeah. quote, nonprofit volunteer like you, but almost everybody can volunteer for something mm-hmm. consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you guys help them with that and and use that, I guess, as a funnel to these mm-hmm. really good organizations to give them an awful lot of manpower, mm-hmm. woman power, uh, right. and economic benefit. Talk about mm-hmm. that for a minute. Yeah, so I think one of the first points I want to make is that if you only have two hours this year, you can still do something meaningful. And so I think one of one of the important takeaways to me is if you know the the only capacity that you truly have is to you know deliver turkeys on Thanksgiving, you know. Those turkeys are appreciated and are and are valuable, and so I don't want people to. If you're listening, I don't want you to get discouraged and think, "Well, I either have to commit every single weekend, or right. I'm not doing it for the right reasons." And so, if you've got a couple hours here and there, that's great. And one of the things that we really encourage people to do that I think is a, a bit unusual in the volunteer space is is to shop around a little bit. That's what I and, wrote down. Explore yeah. your options. Explore, I love exactly. And that's where the idea of the name for Volunteer Odyssey came from. So it's about your personal journey as a volunteer. And there will be good fits and there will be bad fits, but it's about, you know, deciding to undertake this journey. And if all you can do is a couple hours, then that's great. So we have a calendar of volunteer opportunities. You can just hop on there. And if you know you're going to be free Wednesday night, then you can instantly click and sign up for something Wednesday night. And then you can pick something different three months from now. And the hope and goal is that we find something that you love so you keep coming back. But drop-in volunteers are absolutely needed and valuable and helpful. So if that's where you need to start, that's totally fine. And that is awesome. And if we can transition you to something more engaging in the future, that's great too, but it it doesn't have to work that way. And I love that you guys are vetting these organizations. Again, the general public only sees the negative for the most Mm -hmm. part. I mean, that's the reality of it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but that and that doesn't mean there are not good nonprofits outside of your vetting process or slingshot Absolutely. Memphis or whatever. Right. Yes. But it does mean if you don't have time to go check it and you want to mm-hmm. make sure, yeah, then this is a fantastic right. place to come. Yeah. And, and thank you. Yeah. So our list is not comprehensive. Right. Right. But we actively monitor volunteer feedback about all of these places, and we know and work with these partners. We do a site visit for everywhere that we add to our list of approved nonprofit partners. So, yeah, if you have a cause that's outside of our you know, network, then do your homework and go for it. And if you think, I don't know where to start, please just tell me, like, you know, who's reliable, right. who's trustworthy, who needs help and point me in the right direction, then we're a great starting point for that. I, I really love that approach um, because – it gives you – you get to try so many different things. And mm-hmm. there's a synergy, too. Like, you can try three amazing yeah. organizations, but you can typically connect with one mm-hmm. on a de- deeper exactly. level. Exactly, exactly. So I love that. So in Journey to Impact and a lot of the work that we've done, um, metrics are really mm-hmm. important. Absolutely. So um, one of the things that I'm most optimistic about over the last 15 or 20 years is that metrics have become mm-hmm. – well, I should say – the only metric people really measured the previous 50 years was how much money did we raise? Uh-huh. Now we're starting to act, uh, ask more output-related yeah. questions. Mm-hmm. So when you think about what you guys measure, what are some important metrics for Volunteer Odyssey mm-hmm. that y'all are tracking? That's such a great question. And um, I know this is audio, so you guys can't see me, but I sat up really straight when we started talking about <laughs> metrics did. and data. Uh, she did. <laughs> Yeah, so we track a couple different things, and I, I hope I'm not getting too nerdy for this, but we use a combination of quantitative and qualitative. And so we are able to track things like how many people have volunteered, how many hours of time have they donated, what's the economic impact of those hours that they have donated. And so to that end, we've engaged more than 21,000 volunteers in more than $7 million worth of volunteer time in the Memphis area, which is just I mean, fantastic. incredible. And then, you know, you've probably heard the expression, statistics tell, stories sell, right? And so we really focus on telling stories about volunteers and how they're making a difference, telling stories from the nonprofit side about what volunteers mean. And then we also review all of the reflections. So volunteers will leave comments and notes, and we can use that to understand how people are feeling about their work in the community and find really great stories to highlight those meaningful connections. I love that. Um, what in the last year or so, if you think about all the the stories you've had personally, mm-hmm. um, what is a story or two that you've experienced or that you'd share with us mm-hmm. about one of your volunteers? You know, the most salient one I think that comes to mind is when we were doing the vaccination work with the city of Germantown and Carville. And, um, you know, we needed hundreds of volunteers to make that work. And um, the hope and intent was that there would be a couple of volunteers that would kind of bubble up to the surface as, you know, regular volunteers who could help become volunteer coordinators. Right. And so there was a woman named Johnny. I'll have to make sure she hears this. And she was looking for, you know, just a a way to meaningfully use her time. And I I think maybe she slept there. I'm not sure. (laughs) She was there all the time, all the time. And she just really found her calling and her purpose through doing that. And in doing that, she 
helped save hundreds of lives. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. We always say, you know, volunteers are lifesavers. And I think that's, that's a perfect example of that. That's really good. That's really good. You know, and as you're asking that question, it makes me think about, you know, your work and, you know, this idea of impact investing, right. And the, the intersection of head and heart, you know, so how do we make it meaningful, but how do we make it impactful too, without, you know, sacrificing one for the other? And I think that is a a difficult balance to achieve. um, But something that I think we probably have in common (laughs) trying to aim for. I'm glad you said that because that is a challenge. You, you can't be all one or the other, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. um, that's why the metrics are important, but the metrics for metrics sake don't help anybody Mm -hmm. really. Um, That's why you got to tell the stories, right? Because they connect to the, to the heart. I want to go back to this idea of, I mean, we're dealing with some really huge existential challenges, Mm -hmm. not just in Memphis, but around the globe. And I mean, there's injustice everywhere, whether Mm -hmm. it's in Ethiopia or downtown Memphis or Detroit or whatever, there's racism, um, sex trafficking, is a blight, I believe, on um, our generation that mm-hmm. um, disturbs me as much as anything. We've got poverty in, uh, you take the United States, the wealthiest nation in the history of the world, and we have food deserts. Mm-hmm. Like, how is that a thing? Education. You mentioned how important education is, and that's probably something we should come back to. Uh, healthcare. When you talk about like Johnny that just got plugged in and really had an impact, how are you seeing people coming through Volunteer Odyssey really getting fired up about these big existential issues and then plugging in and finally sort of unleashing that power for mm-hmm. good? Mm-hmm. How, do, how have you seen that? Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting because we all want to feel like we matter and we make a difference. And I think so much of the way we live our lives is the stuff that we, you know, that we have to do, right? You have to pay your bills and you have to go to work and you have to do the dishes and things like that. Like, what is our purpose, right? What makes you get out of bed? What makes you excited? You know, what, what is your legacy that you want to leave and how are you using that to make a difference? And so at Volunteer Odyssey, we are, I think I would like to say we specialize in people who are looking for their way to make that mark. Um, And so, you know, it just is about who are you as a person and how do we help you find that perfect thing? And everybody's is different. Right. Right. There's such a wide range in terms of how people want to do that. So we start with asking, what causes do you care about? You know, what are the things that get you fired up? What do you read on the side? You know, what it, what is the kind of article you will always click on because right. it's something that you care about? And then how do we channel that? I, I really am grateful you brought that up, the, uh, the idea of a spectrum of impact. And so occasionally I will run into people that say, why in the world do you support uh, the Orpheum or the arts? I mean, we've got St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and we've got food. Day. We've got all these really important things. Well... It's all important. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the arts or some of these sort of non-essential organizations get a little bit short shrift because Mm -hmm. maybe they're not saving lives. And my response to people is, well, where do you think they take the parents and children at St. Jude after six months of treatment? They're going to take them to that Orpheum show, Mm -hmm. right? And if there's not millions of dollars of donations and 
hundreds of thousands of volunteer hours, you're not going to, you're not going to be able mm-hmm. to do that. So I'm glad you brought that up because there's not an area that people are passionate about that you can't have impact in, in my mind. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think, I think that's a really good point. That's a question we get sometimes is, you know, who needs the most help or what is the most you know, quote unquote, worthy cause, you know, right. what should we be focusing on first? And I think there's no easy answer to that. I think the answer is, we just need so much help everywhere. And so I think the takeaway is not about, you know, who should I help first, or who deserves it more? It's okay, well, how about we get everybody involved? And if everybody was involved, there would be plenty of power and heart to go around and to help all of these causes. Um so I think individually we have to prioritize where we want to help and where we want to work. Um, but overall, it's about how do we get you engaged and then how do we use your story to get somebody else engaged and use that story to get somebody else engaged and create the snowball effect so that all of our nonprofits have enough support to do their work. We, we will end every podcast with get off the bench. Yeah. That's one of the things that I like about what you're doing. So you want to think and you want to process, but at some point you have to get off the bench. Mm-hmm. And if you're passionate about whatever. Mm-hmm. And if you've done some research about what's the most efficient or effective organization, mm-hmm. if you've done these things, there has to be a point at which you get off the bench. Yeah. And what's fantastic about what you guys are doing is you've got several vetted organizations. You've got a lot of experience in saying that mm-hmm. this one is really helping here. Why don't you go try it? Mm-hmm. And then we'll come back and we'll talk and we'll figure it out. But you got to yeah. get off the bench at some point. Yeah. And, you know, I think most people from our research and the best practices indicate that they would be happy to help if they knew who needed help and somebody invited them. And so, you know, I'll, I'll jump on uh, your uh, analogy. And if you're, if you're trying to figure out how to get off the bench, I'll come sit next to you on the bench. That's right. fine. And we will talk about what you love and what you care about, and what you're good at. And then we will find you something that makes you want to, you know, leap off instead of, you know, right. figuring out where should I go and what should I do? You know, like if you are looking for a way to get involved in the Memphis area, just let, let us be your easy button. Like we can right. help you with that. And I, I like your analogy better than mine. The <laughs> idea of having somebody there with you and saying, Hey, let's go do this together. Yes. Um, that, that's got to be um, mm-hmm. the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. So let's circle back as we try to land the plane and talk about, <laughs> let's talk about kids, right? You and I both had a similar experience. When I was growing up, we just, helped people. Mm-hmm. It's just what we did. Mm-hmm. Nobody called it volunteerism. Nobody right. called it. It's just what we did. And mm-hmm. it sounds like that was what you did with yep. your parents. Even it sounded like on the TED Talk when there was this really intense time period when economically both your parents lost their jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember an experience very similar. And you just continue to do mm-hmm. what's ingrained in you. Right. When you think about the children and grandchildren of people that are volunteering and having impact and making a difference. How would you, and this would be interesting from a psychological perspective (laughs) too, but how would you help people pass that down? Mm. Yeah, I think one of the important things is that uh, kids can tell if you're genuine or not. (laughs) That's for sure. Uh, Employees can tell if their employers are genuine or not. And so, you know, if it's something that that you dictate that your family does, you know, that can be a step in the right direction. But ultimately, if your kids and grandkids know that you care about it and that it's important to you and it's just part of Back your Back to core, your dad's quote, right? Yes. If they know how yeah. much you care, exactly. they're going to get into it. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, if it is just a way you live your life and it's one of your core values, 
you know, I think kids are really good at picking up on when adults are being genuine. And so, you know, are are you modeling what you want them to do in terms of the way that they serve? And I think that that's a huge one. Um, and then I think also, you know, finding a way to serve that you like, you know, they can also pick up on if you don't really want to be there, right? So how do we find something that makes you light up? Because, you know, kids will model what they are, are shown. Um, and so how do we find something that you want them to replicate and that they're excited to replicate? That's interesting you say that. Please don't anybody email and criticize this. I don't particularly get fired up about the Humane Society. My daughter does. Uh-huh. And so she wants to go. So we ask all of our children, where would you like to help? Yeah, perfect. And so, you know, it, when they're young, it's, I mean, it's all over the place. Yeah. But she has consistently wanted to help dolphins Aww. and uh, dogs yeah. at the pound. And so we That's take wonderful. her. To even though I'm not that fired up, I want her to know number one, I'm hearing you. It's not just mommy and daddy saying, What do you want to do? We're going to do what we want to do, and you're going to like it. Yeah. Uh, What do you want to do? And let's go with you to walk the dog or or whatever. Right. And you're modeling that for her and making time and space for her to think about, you know, what she wants to do. And as kids get older, you know, that's a, that's a great way to invite that conversation is, you know, we, we've been doing this, but what do you care about? What's important to you? And we do this exercise with kids of all ages. You know, we go and speak in classrooms and we ask them to write down what they care about. And it always starts out with things like, you know, my friends and my family. It's like, well, what about, you know, in the world around you? Like, what are the things that make you excited or make you angry? And they, at a very, very early age, they kids can know. identify, yeah, injustices right. and things that they care about and want to make a difference for We've noticed that with our oldest, who is uh, in the 15 age-ish range, mm-hmm. um, that now we've moved to, all right, you've got limited resources. <laughs> How can we figure out the organization in your sweet spot that's mm-hmm. being the most efficient? Mm-hmm. And we're having to start dealing with, yeah, that was misappropriation of funds you just heard about. That was abuse of the very people they were trying to help. But going back to what you said... First of all, that's pretty rare, and it gets mm-hmm. in the news. Second mm-hmm. of all, what are some ways you can ask questions to make sure that your mm-hmm. time and your money are going to uh, healthy organizations? Mm-hmm. That allows us to say yeah. Volunteer Odyssey is a great tool. But my point there is, again, more is caught than taught. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember thinking about the man that taught me most about philanthropic giving, I do not believe we ever sat down and talked about this right. is what I do. This is how I think. Mm-hmm. He, for some reason, was was very gracious with telling me this is what my wife and I are doing and mm-hmm. this is what we didn't do and kind of here's why. And I think because most people aren't going to talk about money. They, they feel awkward talking yeah. even about volunteering because they feel like we're that selfishness, that <laughs> yep. I, you know. And so um, – those have been ways for us mm-hmm. to get our kids involved and at least to get them thinking. Mm-hmm. And I am so glad you said that because, you know, especially in, um, you know, areas of the country that are, are very religious in terms of Christianity, we are taught, I think, sometimes that, you know, volunteering should be completely selfish. It should be the only reason that you're doing it. You shouldn't talk about it. It's something you should almost do in secret, right? Right. And so we're trying to turn that on its head and say, one of the best things you can do if you are volunteering somewhere is tell people about it. Right. And reframing that from, you know, oh, I'm bragging or I should be applauded, right? And turning it into an invitation. You being an ambassador, you being a recruiter, because, you know, like your daughter, 
be great if she went to school and said, did you know you can walk dogs with the Humane Society? What are you doing on Saturday? Do you want to come with me? Right. Finding something that you enjoy so much that you want to share it with other people and doing that invitation. So how do we get you to talk about volunteering in a way that is inviting and you're being a recruiter? Because that's what we need in order to start getting everybody you know, off the yep. bench and into the game. I just made a sports analogy. I don't even I know who it. I am right I now. I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> you know what? I'll just sort of uh, reiterate when, so our children sort of get it. Yeah. If my daughter's fired up about the Humane Society, she's just going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. She doesn't feel like she's selling anybody. Yes. She doesn't feel like she's bragging. She's just pumped yeah. that she got to go walk a dog or exactly. two on Saturday. Exactly. And I think as adults, yeah. we could learn that, that type of invitation. Absolutely. It's not about, you know, me bragging that I went and cleaned up the green belt. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about that was so fun and so impactful. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. Come on with me. Yeah. And if you find an experience that you, I think that's maybe a good hallmark or indicator of how you know you found the right experience where you want to tell people about it because right. you care about it. Um, you know, like the example I gave with picking up that bag. And a lot of people are not passionate about picking up trash. That's fine. I understand that. But when that bag disintegrated and learning about microplastics and how every piece of plastic we use eventually ends up in the water, that was really salient for me. And I can't tell you how many times I've talked about that one bag, right, right. <laughs> as a way to demonstrate how this one individual thing like impacts so many things down the line. So this is not really the the point of this interview, but it popped into my mind, so I'm just going to run with it as a practical way for parents to to help their children. And if you don't know anything about a donor advised fund, um, Mm -hmm. just go to our website. There's a couple of white papers. There's a picture. The picture is the best, and you can see how it works. But in essence, you can put money in it. It's like your own foundation. You put money in it, you get a tax deduction, and you give it away when you Mm -hmm. can. Here's my point. It's a fantastic tool to say to your children at Thanksgiving, Mm. um, and and I'm thinking of my daughter, what would you like to give to? You. Mm -hmm. What would you like to give to time and money this Christmas? Mm -hmm. And then we let them think about it. Yeah. And then somewhere around the first week or two of December, we get back together. What have you been thinking about? Mm-hmm. And again, it's all over the place. And yeah. she says, I want to give to the Humane Society, to, mm-hmm. the, to the pound that's close to our house, the dog pound that's close to our house. And so then we take that opportunity to say, well, how much do you want to give? Mm-hmm. Because we will triple it or double it or whatever mm-hmm. so that there's kind of this connection. And yeah. so I'll never forget That's the, brilliant. the first time she did it, I, I kind of knew how much money she had in her little envelope and she wanted to give it all away. And this is what I said, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> and then after that, I was like, why am I telling her <laughs> not to give it all away, right? You just tried to convince her to give <laughs> yeah, it away. Just, and just a her. little bit. You don't need to give it all away. And so I learned something about myself and about children and they're just their generosity in general. So we, but we also collected blankets Mm -hmm. for her. She gave her dollars and we showed her how we were going to give more through that donor advice fund. And, uh, and then we had the volunteering aspect Mm -hmm. of it. And so there, those are great ways to get your kids thinking about it, get them involved where they're catching kind of what you're teaching. And then it's just that time of year where they're hearing that message more. Um, and, and it has become, uh, for our children, kind of a fun, Hey, Mm -hmm. here comes that 
thing we're going to do again. Yeah. And so I think it fits with what you're talking about and what you guys are doing. And I love that example because you're starting to put the responsibility on them. Right. And not just responsibility, the, the opportunity. Privilege. You know, invite yes, and inviting them to think about, okay, how can I make a difference with my time and my money, however much time that is and however much money that is. Right. And I, d- I do think it's important, I mean, they're going to grow up. Most people are going to go up and grow up, God willing, and be uh, uh, functioning citizens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're going to pay taxes. You're going to make money. You're going to spend money. But there needs to always be this constant, all right, who are we going to help mm-hmm. with this money? And I think the earlier you start that, mm-hmm. I think the better. So we got to land the plane. Okay. And so we sort of do this rapid fire where you don't get a chance to Uh-oh. know what's coming. Oh, no. And uh, But I give you about a 30-second heads up. One book, one quote, and one person. All right. So one quote, if you could share one quote with us today, um, what would it be? Mm. For the record, I feel like I always ask these things of, to interesting people. And that's uh-huh. how you know you're interesting if I ever ask you these. So you're definitely <laughs> oh, an so interesting I, person. I see. Yeah, so you made the cut. You're trying to woo me with a compliment right, right, while you're right, putting me right. on the spot. That's so right, there right. is a pop quiz. There I knew is. there was going to be a pop quiz. <laughs> but it's only three questions and you can't fail. <laughs> Um, I, I hope I don't get this quote wrong. Um, but it was Anne Frank and she said how wonderful it is. No one need wait a moment to start to change the world. I think I have maybe, um, botched that just a little bit. Still sounded pretty cool. Oh, well, I, I give Anne Frank. Say it one more time. How wonderful it is. No one need wait a single moment to start to change the world. That's good. Um, and considering, you know, who Anne Frank was and what her circumstance was when she wrote that, the fact that she could still see a way for everyone, children, adults, in any circumstance to just begin to try and do positive things. I just think that that's really powerful. That is pretty amazing. That, that'll that take some processing, especially in the context, uh, mm-hmm. her context. All right, one book. If you could recommend one book today, it doesn't have to be about what we've talked about. It's just maybe yeah. one that you've read recently, or it could be one that changed your life. Yeah, um, I think... Probably my favorite book I've read recently is called Soundtracks by John Acuff. Um, it's about how we turn our what's oh, what's the tagline on there? It's like basically turning your your um, super worrying into a superpower. Uh, does <laughs> so, that mean you're a super worrier? Oh, for sure, I'm a super <laughs> worrier. <laughs> Me too. Everybody's awesome. a super worrier, I think. And so it's the idea of taking you know all the time you spend worrying and like you know rehashing things in your head and replacing that with positive thoughts. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe he was a stand-up comedian for a while. And so this book is one, very helpful, like very actionable and laugh out loud funny. <laughs> All right. I'm going to have to get that. I'm it's not great. familiar with it. That's one of the best things of doing these interviews is I get Yeah, you get your reading everybody. list. Yeah. And at least half of them I've not read and probably 25% of them I've never heard of. Uh-huh. Um, so it's always interesting. I feel like sometimes uh, somebody will say, well, this book when I was a little girl, a little boy changed my life. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of it and I'll go get it and I'll that's pretty amazing. That They're is amazing. sort of off the beaten path. What a great stuff. question. So uh, here's a more fun one. Um, what's your favorite ice cream? Mm. That's that's a hard one. Um, and I will judge you on this because I'm a I'm, I'm a ice cream connoisseur. So this oh, is, okay, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, this is serious pressure here. Um, I don't know. I don't know if this counts, but when I was a kid. <laughs> 
<laughs> sugar and milk and cold, it probably counts. Yeah, kind of. Um, when I was a kid, we made snow ice cream, yeah. and I just thought that was absolute magic. <laughs> yes, I did too. And then I started learning about all the crap in the rain, and I was like, what? Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. So, see, well, that's, that's when I was a kid, so hopefully it was cleaner then. <laughs> that's what motivates me for ch- climate change, so I there can have go. snow ice cream again. Way to ruin my ice cream, Ed. (laughs) And uh, last but not least, this is this is high Uh pressure because you live and work in Memphis. Gosh, barbecue place to go without offending anybody. Just that's impossible (laughs) for our listeners. You cannot pick one place without offending someone. So again, I'm I'm gonna do a little bit of a wild card here, but uh, I was on a barbecue team for a long time. Whoa! Called Born in the QSA. I don't take any credit. I didn't do the cooking, but we made top ten for ribs. And no I still way. think those were probably my favorite ribs. Now, it might be because it was on the river and, you know, everything else that comes with Barbecue Fest, but that was probably my favorite. You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up from an impact perspective and, and I'm some humor here, but Barbecue Fest, uh-huh. a lot of good things that came out of that. Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of, lot of good barbecue. <laughs> All right, we're going to land the plane. Where can listeners go to learn more about Volunteer Odyssey and what you guys are doing? Yeah, VolunteerOdyssey.com. We're also on all the major social media, so Instagram, Facebook. Um, And if you are ready to get matched with a volunteer opportunity, or if you just want to learn more about how it works, you know, there's your little nudge to get off that bench, um, send me an email. So Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at volunteerodyssey.com. Fantastic. And I will add to that, just Google um, the Sarah at the TED Talk Memphis Mm, it's the 2015 one. It's really, really good. Also, one thing I love about what you guys do is your impact report. And there's oh, three years. Uh, I took the time to read it. And it's not it's not like horribly boring stuff like a guy <laughs> like me used to. They were all about financials, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now it's about impact. Yeah. So those are quick to download on there. And I would also say that the website is a wealth of resources. And I particularly liked what uh, seemed to be a pretty easy way to just sign up and get newsletter, get on the list to start the process of getting off the bench. Yeah. You can also learn more about impact at edgillantine.com. We like to think it's a great resource for impact articles. There's a bunch of white papers, website links, like to volunteer odyssey um, and some other resources that will hope uh, help you on your journey. You can also buy the book journey to impact printed or on any major digital platform through our website. You can go to Amazon or barnesandnoble.com and randomly, Target.com. Um, there's a bunch of podcasts there um, and other interviews that we've done. And so uh, we'd encourage you to go there. Leave a review because we really value your feedback. And we do our best best to tailor shows to what you want to hear. People like Sarah coming on, um, like the Slingshot Memphis people, and Lauren. Um, I'm looking out my window across the street at Sweet Lala's. Um, so we really value your feedback. Again, thanks for listening. And until next time, all the best. Thank you for listening. We love your feedback, so please let us know what you thought about this episode as well as what you'd like to hear more of in the future. For more information, impact resources, or to purchase a copy of the book, Journey to Impact, visit edgillentine.com. That's E-D-G-I-L-L-E-N-T-I-N-E.com. The book is also available through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Target.com. For Ed Gillentine speaking inquiries or advertising opportunities, send us an email at ajourneytoimpact at gmail.com. This has been a presentation of the Journey to Impact podcast team. Executive producer, Ed Gillentine. Associate producer, Meredith Taylor. Produced and edited by Joey Woodruff.
Special thanks to Stephen Chandler. 